We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into our Ravens Jaguars post game show here, simulcasting on the Ravens Vault podcast YouTube channel, simulcasting on the Bobby Trossett YouTube channel, and of course on Facebook as well. My partner Sarah Ellison will be joining us momentarily for this post game show. As always, let us know where you're tuning in from this evening and where you want us to steer this conversation after a Baltimore collapse. Yet again, we've seen it in all four losses so far this season in 2022 and we saw it again in the fourth quarter in Jacksonville 28 to 27 is the final score Jacksonville comes back and uh just unbelievable unbelievable comeback and an epic collapse by the Ravens 28 to 27 was the final Baltimore drops to seven and four overall and Jacksonville improves to four and seven Ravens four game win streak is now over. John Harbaugh met with the media just a moment ago in Jacksonville and had this to say about the red zone struggles. Um, yeah, we got stopped. I mean, you know, you try to you try to call your best plays. You know, sometimes you think you can run it in. You try to run it in, doesn't work. Sometimes you try to pass it in. You know, we didn't. We just didn't do a good job in the red zones. The bottom line. I mean, you know, get down there and you kick what four field goals. You know, that's tough. You know, you, those are those are those are big trips down there, and obviously touchdowns are what you're looking for. And, that's something we have to improve at going forward. That's really important for us. And right on cue, I want to bring in my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison. And partner, you saw and, and heard Harbs just a moment ago. You listened into that stream. And obviously, the red zone struggles were an issue. Lamar's inaccuracy was an issue today. But late, it was a defensive collapse that looked awfully familiar to the first half of this season. Yeah, it felt like that Giants game and the... Dolphins game and uh, Bills game, all of them. But I mean, yeah, this was a complete um, team loss. Uh, at times there were drops, uh, lots of drops. I mean, uh, Mark Andrews dropped one. Demarcus Robinson dropped one. Drake dropped one. One was right through the fingertips of, of Josh Oliver. Other times Lamar Jackson was off target. Uh, the offense felt lethargic and asleep. They felt lethargic through two games now. They felt lethargic coming out of the bye against Carolina. Felt lethargic again today until that 62-yard pass late in the fourth quarter to Deshaun Jackson. And then all of a sudden they were able to score to Josh Oliver and then ha hit that two-point conversion. So as soon as the offense wakes up, the defense collapses. The defense had kept the Ravens in the game for three and three quarters and three quarters of the fourth quarter. And it just collapsed and really disappointing. I felt like uh, Trevor Lawrence was targeting Marcus Peters. Uh, didn't feel like a good day for him. We can dive more into that. It wasn't yeah. always his fault when it looked that way. Uh, but other times it, it is, was just him in the, in the area. Brandon Stevens didn't look great. You, you want to get Hamilton back. You want to get stone. I didn't feel like was great. You want to get some of these guys back. But at the end of the day, whoever was out there just was not good. It was not good. And, and it was a full team loss. You can blame coaches. You can blame players. You can blame all of them. Some play calling, not great. Some was just fine. And the execution wasn't there. Um, but when you are lethargic two games in a row on offense, 
you got to you got to point the finger at everybody, coaches and players. I think Calais Campbell said it best a little while ago here. Of course, returning to Jacksonville for the first time as a Raven, a place that he spent three years of his eventual Hall of Fame career in. Good teams don't let this game beat you twice, and we're a good team. Well, they have been a good team over this four-game win streak that, again, was snapped today. But, Sarah, don't you, didn't you think that at some point today was bound to happen based on some of these issues, these compounding issues, whether it was on the offensive side of the ball with a, a lack of game management or uh, the drops that you've already alluded to off the top, or now again in the fourth quarter, something that we had not seen in weeks, a defensive collapse. This was bound to happen based on some of these issues. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that the Ravens have a superior roster. I've said this many times. Uh, I think Jacksonville is still a young team finding their way. Uh, we also talked about in the preview, Bobby, that Jacksonville is better than their record. They've had so many one-score losses, including to the Chiefs, last week that they came, you know, this close to doing the same to the thing to the Chiefs that they just did to the Ravens today. And so you knew that they were going to keep it close. We had talked about that uh, in our preview game. Um, it was just a matter of if they could get over the hump. And so as soon as there was that first fumble that they called on Mark Andrews that he got a break, they re overturned the, the fumble because – the Jaguars touched it while they were out of bounds, and so they gave the ball back. So that was that was the break. But I said from that moment on, Ravens, the way they're going to keep the Jags in this game is through turnovers and just mistakes. I mean, listen, if you're going to be in the red zone, uh, what did they end up at in the red zone? They were two for four in the – no, they were two for five in the red zone. Um, yeah. So when you're when you only score – Two out of five times in the red zone, a touchdown. When you turn the ball over the way you do, and then and then the defense a few times just let them run the table. I mean, that last score, Bobby, this is what you were hoping was in the rearview mirror. This is another time in the fourth quarter that the Ravens had a two-possession lead again. And so Roquan Smith coming in, you, you were hoping that that would kind of put this defense over the top. Now, again, they're missing Hamilton and they're missing uh, Marcus Williams. Uh, and so, you know, maybe you say maybe they'll be better, but they're, this defense isn't supposed to be doing this anymore. This is this is a young team. They should have – I thought Clays came out in that last drive, got his 99th career sack, and I'm like, here we go. The Ravens' defense is going to be closing this out. And then just time after time after time – Taylor um, Lawrence was Trevor Lawrence was targeting either Stevens or Peters Stevens and Peters all the way down for 80 yards, 10 plays. And then, then they have, uh, and then they're like, nah, we're not going to send this into overtime. We're not afraid. We have you on your heels and we're going to get this two point conversion. It just, it, that's not, it's you have, it's self-deception if you're thinking people shouldn't respect you or they should respect you and not try that stuff, this Jaguars team is not the best in the world. And they said, try to stop us. And the Ravens didn't. So, you yeah. know, that makes you look, look at yourself in the mirror. And it's, it's not fun to do that sometimes. Got to respect. I, I got to tip my cap to Doug Peterson. And this guy's been there, done that. He's a Super Bowl champion, winning head coach. And uh, after that replay and, and, and the, uh, you know, that, that, that Marvin Jones, Jones Jr. catch was looked at thoroughly. He initially had the field goal, extra point unit out there, and then called it back and said, hey, what do we have to lose? We're three and seven. We're going for the kill shot. And they did exactly that. Ravens had no answer, by the way, for Zay Jones. 11 receptions for 145 yards, targeted 14 times. He was the guy for Trevor Lawrence, not Christian Kirk. Kirk was out there. He had four for 46, but it was Zay Jones. Now, here's the graphic, too, that uh, you, you were kind of getting at a second ago. This is from Bull Smoka from Press Box. This marks the fourth time this year the Ravens have given up at least 12 fourth-quarter points. Miami, 28. Giants, like you said, off the top, 14. Bucks, 12. And then today, 18. It's just not good enough. It's, and, and Calais said it at the top, you know, 
good teams don't lose a game twice, essentially. And the Ravens, you thought they had this game wrapped up when they had a, a two-score you know, lead over Jacksonville, but they just couldn't close it out. And, and like you said a minute ago, too, this is a full team. In terms of accountability and responsibility, you can point to all units, even special teams. Devin Duvernay didn't have his greatest day uh, with, <laughs> from a special team standpoint. You know, I mean, you could literally go to all three phases of the game and point at things that went wrong today. Yeah, and I mean, it's just one of those days even, I mean, look, it's 67 yards, but even Justin Tucker couldn't salvage couldn't yeah. salvage this. I mean, he had me going, though, Bobby. Like, when it first was up, I was like, holy crap, is Justin yeah. Tucker going to do this again? Because it was a beauty, totally online. Uh, you never can tell when the cameras are from behind, but you feel like it's got enough distance, and then it falls short, and it's like, you know, he had how many field goals prior to that? Uh, four, I think. Uh, one from 55. But it's like, even on a day like this, Justin Tucker can't always bail you out, you know? It's just, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we can get yeah. into each person, but it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> Justin had done everything he possibly could have to that point. And you ask, yeah. you're asking for a 67-yard field goal from this guy to extend what was his record, obviously, from the Detroit game, 66 yards as time expired last year. Uh, that's a lot to ask. Like you said, he was four for four up until that point. Not a, an ounce of wind in Jacksonville, but again, a lot has to go right in order to convert a 67-yard field goal. And I think, you know, based on all the field goals that they had to settle for, Sarah, Lamar is starting to get super frustrated. He showed that frustration in his post-game interview. Here's a small snippet of it. No, you know, I'm... Like I said, in practice, everything looked good. You know, we looked crisp in practice and stuff like that. Um, we just missed opportunities. And, you know, when you're playing in a game like this, uh, you know, a tough environment, you can't miss those. We, we need those, everything, catches, throws. We need everything, you know, put points on the board, separate, help our defense, you know, keep their momentum going. So, Partner, bottom line is if he converts at least one of those three egregious overthrows, obviously one on the – opening drive to Demarcus Robinson would have been a house call. This game's completely different. His his accuracy or lack thereof from a deep ball game, excluding the beautiful 62-yard conversion with Deshaun Jackson, we can get to that in just a bit. It's been underwhelming, and it's been a problem this year. Yeah, I mean, there was the the first was the one to uh, Josh Oliver, right? Or Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson had separation uh wide open if if they connect he probably scores on that one uh there was the josh oliver where it just went over his it went right through his fingertips i mean you could maybe put it on either josh or lamar lamar i mean josh is a big target so for him to ha and he and he jumped pretty high so uh, it would have been nice if he came down with it but lamar was was you know too high on it the one to mark andrews they ended up scoring on anyway so that one was was good what other ones am I? Oh, no, that was another drop. What other overthrow did he have? I think there was just, by my count, there was three that were on him. I think the one to Oliver that you're you're talking about was, and it might have been the angle, right? Lamar might have had a, a tough angle in the pocket to get this, and he had to fire it in high to Oliver. But it seemed like it was a little high. Obviously, on the opening drive, it was egregious to Demarcus Robinson, and then the other one was to to Andrews. So three by my count. Those of you who are watching this live. And by the way, this will be available in audio-only form later tonight, wherever you get your podcasts. But those of you, if you think we're, we're maybe overlooking something, let us know in the comment section. But those are the three that, that come to mind first for me, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, no, there were, there were definitely some overthrows. There were some drops. There was, um, there was the fumble, which I know a lot of people were upset that, that um, Greg Roman called – uh, Lamar running on fourth and one, I believe it was. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you could have also done Gus Edwards, you know, on fourth and one, which I'm fine with. Gus also fumbled in this game. So uh, <clears throat> you don't, you don't have that fumbled. I mean, that's three points right there. That was a, that, that was just here. Take three points. Luckily the defense had held strong on that one. And I should specifically say Roquan Smith held tough on that one because he, uh, yes. Yeah, tracked down um, Trevor Lawrence when he was scrambling, and then he hit hit the receiver hard when he passed it to him to not allow the force. So Roquan Smith was was phenomenal there. But 
But anyway, Greg Roman, I think some people could have been upset that he called Lamar, called Lamar's number number on that fourth down. Again, I would have been fine with either Lamar or Gus Edwards there. Um, you know, you but you can't fumble. Either one of them. They both had fumbles this game. I think that there was some – I was actually a little bit – I don't know if upset, upset's the right word, but there are a lot of people upset on calling um, – Patrick Ricard's number on back-to-back plays where the Ravens had 14 yards to go. So listen, I'm here for the occasional Patrick Ricard pass, you know, out of the backfield. I don't know about lining up wide or any of that kind of stuff. So I can definitely see fans on that one. So play calling on, on some of those remind us if there's some other play calls that you thought were questionable. Those were the ones that I can remember. Um, Just, yeah, just abysmal. I mean, Gus fumbles, Lamar fumbles, Lamar overthrows, dropped passes. It's just every which way on offense, people was, people were just, uh, I have a phrase in my mind that I don't want to say. It's what people say all the time, but I don't want to be crass, but they just did not perform well. Yeah. How about the game mismanagement? Harbaugh said on the way into the locker room to the sideline reporter that that was on them. But this is something that's been a recurring theme. And I'm talking about just the the whatever's the opposite of not being in a hurry up to the line of scrimmage. And quite literally, Lamar is is clapping violently to Linderbaum to try and get these footballs snapped before the game clock, before the play clock runs up to zero. And it was like it had to have been down to the fractions of a second for multiple times. And there's one sequence in particular where I just – I was kind of scratching my head. This has been a problem, whether they're home, away, one o'clock, prime time, whatever it is. And and that's a problem. I, I don't know if that's with the communication of getting the plan, whether that's between Linderbaum and, and Lamar. But based on what Harb said in the, in the sideline, it, it, the play needs to get in quicker. Whatever it is, they're running around frantic. One time, they barely snapped it, and Lamar just had to run for the first down because it was almost like he was so frantically trying to get the play started without having to take the delay a game that he just rushed for the first down 10 yards. Uh, but it was almost as if he was just so, so focused on getting the playoff because it was that close. It's it's just got to clean up. Yeah, it goes beyond um, this game for sure. I can remember reporters had already asked about that after I think it was week two, Uh, but this isn't just this season. It seems to extend beyond also. And um, it it just, I don't know why it keeps recurring. Why does it keep recurring? It, you know, because, you know, once or twice it's fine, but like it just pops up and rears its ugly head. It seems like it'll, it'll be okay for like three or four games. Then it comes back up. And that, that trend has been going on for quite some time I also feel bad I feel bad for Josh Oliver like here he is for like his revenge game right (laughs) he does it's against his former team four receptions 76 yards a touchdown was he the touchdown that like it seemed like it was going to be like the game winning touchdown before the two-point conversion I think he was the the late one and so Yeah. yeah it's 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 him there and it's like here he is thinking he's got his former team. He's had a big game, likely was out, which we got to follow up on that because um, he seemed to have had maybe a, uh, an injury in practice. He popped up late in the um, practice injury report. I think Friday he popped up. So with likely out, Josh Oliver, who had been getting a ton of praise from coaches, they had said that like, he forced them to keep him on his on their team. So with likely out, I think he was able to step up a little bit more in the passing game, and he delivered. He delivered big time um, with with all sixty four yards. With I'm losing his yards. I had just said it. Um, seventy six yards, four catches, one being a touchdown. So he thinks he had the game-winning touchdown, and then the defense yeah. just collapsed, just collapsed. It's so sad for him. It was great to see that because he often does, especially this year. This guy's been on the field a lot, and if you're not, if 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 you're only watching the football, you may not have seen the amount of workload that's been on his plate this year. 
Uh, but he's often doing the, th the thankless work in the trenches, you know, picking up those blocking assignments, uh, chipping when, when need be. I mean, doing a lot for this Greg Roman offense. And so for him to get rewarded against his former team that essentially gave up on him after sort of some injury marred seasons, they did draft him, Jacksonville did several years ago, was pretty cool. Uh, but again, not cool enough to get the W because of that late defensive collapse. Thanks for being with us in this instant reaction episode. We are simulcasting on both of our YouTube channels, my personal one, the Ravens Vault podcast YouTube channel, and on Facebook as well. Let us know where you're tuning in from this evening, where you want us to steer the conversation. We have donations coming in as well via the YouTube Super Chat feature. Thanks to SR Dempsey. We've been really enjoying building this this podcast, building this coverage, and of course, interacting with you guys after wins and losses. It's been a long time since we've had to kind of have this demeanor, have this tone after a game, you know, after this four-game win streak that they've been on. But let's hear more from Calais Campbell, who again returned to Jacksonville for the first time as a Raven. Here's part of what he had to say post-game. We're, we're competitors, you know. I mean, everybody in that locker was a competitor. You know, it's just things. You know, you're upset you lost, but you know, our heads are gonna be high. You know, we gonna you know go out there, you know, with, with purpose. You know, this week, try to find a way to win next week's game. You know, I mean, against a scrappy team that's you know very similar, great defense. You know, weapons all over the field. You know, so uh, you know, 24 hour, we'll, we'll, we'll watch the tape. We'll you know make our corrections, and then it's on to Denver. You know, but I know uh, you know <laughs> we got some we got some dogs in there. You know, I mean. You know, a lot of guys who uh, who play football at a high level, you know, uh, and so, you know, good teams don't let, let these games beat you twice, you know, and I, I know we're, you know, we're a good team, you know, we just didn't get it done today. But, you know, going forward, I, I got a lot of confidence in my guys, and I know they, the same, the feelings all the way through the locker room, you know, we know who we are. Sorry for the audio quality there. It was a little bit low from the team, but I thought Jeff Zareep summed it up well here, partner, and, you know, in a way, the Ravens did kind of, get what they deserve, right? Red zone issues, the defensive collapse, missed opportunities, and just the, the the mismanagement and lack of cleanliness when it comes to polish offensively is like a little while ago, I said it, and I, I kind of believe this, like they had really, they walked away unscathed in the win-loss category over the last few weeks or so, but they weren't playing winning football. They were doing enough to play winning football, but not like sustainable winning football and I felt like that caught up with them today yeah I mean we talked about it because you remember in our preview you would you would ask like are there some blessings in disguise to winning ugly right and we talked about this yeah. for a couple minutes and we said yeah if you take the lessons that are there right like because then you have been through adversity and you know how to get through it even when things aren't clicking and so that almost happened again today things weren't clicking but the offense never gave up, right? And then so finally it woke up. And so that's that's nice. It's nice to know that like despite despite you know just starting and going all game long, the engine isn't revving at all. And despite that, after a fumble at the, your, your own 16-yard line, then you come back and hit that 62-yarder and then Lamar runs and he puts his shoulder down and he wants that first down and then he finds Josh Oliver and then you get that two point conversion. So it's nice to know uh, that in no matter how bad things get, that your will wasn't broken. I grew up watching John Elway and the Denver Broncos and I always felt that way. It was like, ah, oh, here we go again. The Broncos stink in the first three and a half quarters, but don't worry, don't worry. John Elway and then we'll turn it on when it's time. And he did frequently almost all the time so we were talking about that like is it okay to win ugly and it's like yeah if you learn the lessons and so I'm glad to see that their will wasn't broken but then on the defensive side it just seems too often and maybe it just feels this way because we just came off of it but it just feels like this happens a lot with the defense they hold they hold they hold they keep the offense in then the offense finally comes alive and then they go to sleep they go to sleep and I and I don't under I don't understand that. I do want to read one comment here from Cardarius Johnson. Uh Cardarius Johnson, when I was talking about Lamar fumbling. Um, he said Lamar tried to extend the ball. He wasn't going to get it. Fumble or not, it didn't change the field position. It would have been a turnover on downs either way. I think that's a good point. I think with a fumble, it is still a little bit worse in that if they had recovered, you can always return it where you can't with um a turnover on downs. However, 
point taken and I wanted to read it because I thought it was a good point on Lamar. Sure. Yeah. You don't often see him kind of be apprehensive too at the line of scrimmage and some of those, those design run calls. And I felt like he was a little skittish there for whatever reason, kind of waited for the play to develop and then got swallowed up. And, and next thing you know, they were in a, in a tough situation. Let's swing back to Marcus Peters. There's quite a few folks that are reaching out via our, our comment uh, section here on, on our simulcast saying, look, the baiting, and he did recover the fumble. We should say that. He did recover the fumble, and he is still a playmaker. By the way, the, the Ravens extended their league-long streak of, I believe, 13 games now with a takeaway. That is an NFL record, an active streak today with takeaways. But uh, one thing that we had, and Marcus has been known, the Ravens knew they were getting this several years ago when they traded for him in season, Sarah, but sometimes he gambles a little bit too much. Sometimes he pays for it. We saw that play out today a little bit. Yeah, there was definitely a time that he thought, you know, a play was going a different way. There are a couple of plays that I have a hard time, you know, definitively saying it was Marcus Peters' fault because if you're in cover two, you're passing off to safety. I mean, it's really hard to know, is it the safety at fault or is it the corner at fault? But regardless, Peters is in there. And what what justifies me thinking that sometimes it is on Peters is the fact that they start targeting him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, whatever is happening, whoever's fault it is, when you start throwing that way over and over and over again towards your area of the field, that tells you that the offense thinks that you're not playing up the snuff. And then even on that final touchdown, um, where it took them within one point with just a few seconds left, it seemed like he was reacting late there. I don't know if, if he was expecting a run, so we wanted to go help with the run defense, but he kind of got out late, and then it was an easy touchdown for them there at the end. Um, it just seemed time and time again. And and here's the thing, you know, we love Marcus Peters for his fire, right? We love his swagger. We love what he brings to the defense, and I think that's underrated. But there have also been times where he points his fire at his own teammates or his own coaches and and when they mess up. And maybe he's right in who was wrong, but I would like him see it always I would like to see him always point the fire towards the other team, not his own teammates, even when they're at fault, not his own coaches, even when they're at fault. Do that behind closed doors. So you didn't see anybody today chewing out Marcus Peters as it should be, even though he may have been at fault several times. And, but you didn't see that you saw one time Marcus or Marlon Humphrey picking him up, you know, after he had tackled somebody, it's just, that's what you do. You pick up your teammates and your coaches when they're down, you don't, you know, berate them on, on TV. Every once in a while, a little fire's good, even towards your own teammates. But sometimes I feel like it's gone too far. And I hope that he returns the favor of his teammates not berating him. But hopefully, you know, they talk about it and keep things real behind closed doors. Yeah. Speaking of corners, too, by the way, you probably noticed that Marlon Humphrey had to leave the game. He limped off. John Harbaugh confirmed that's not a, a well. He did return, by the way. He left for like a, a series, if that. He twisted his ankle. It's nothing serious. But as soon as he left, Sarah, as soon as he left, and Brandon Stevens subbed in there uh, at slot, doing some slot corner work there, and obviously giving up that two point conversion, which he just held himself accountable for. Uh, the quote that he was was uh, was was quoted to say here just a short while ago was, "That's a play I've got to make." He made the play. I didn't. So he's holding himself accountable there. But he was picked on as soon as he was subbed in for Marlon. Marlon was lights out again today. He's been very good uh, for at least two two weeks running. I mean, he's been good all year. But he had those back-to-back. I think they were back-to-back. At least they were on the same drive. Tackles for loss. Where he had the sack on Trevor Lawrence. And then... Uh, I think there was a screen pass to Christian Kirk and and Marlon was right there for a five yard loss. Um, he was he the one that forced the fumble? 
No, that was that was. I'm thinking of Fumble Bowser. was okay. Tyus Bowser, who literally Bowser, came yeah. flying in. It was like a second Ooh. effort too. He's been playing really well. It, he literally the first time he missed Lawrence. Lawrence is elusive. He's six six two twenty, but he's super elusive in the pocket. And uh, Bowser just gave it a second effort. It was just an effort play. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, Bowser, man, that was just <laughs> poor Lawrence didn't even see him coming, and just got yeah. rocked. Just got rocked. So. Uh, yeah, Matt, Matt LaRocca talking here, still waiting for Owe to show up this year. I mean, we did a, a whole segment on that earlier, um, this week about him not showing up. I think that, you know, he's been playing out of position or had been playing out of position until Tyus came back. And so now he's kind of like, uh, you got to rebuild that, that pass rush kind of moves and keep honing those in, but he's definitely got to, he's definitely got to step up, um, no doubt. I mean, you know, and he is getting pressures. Uh, if you look at grades, um, I don't know about today. I mean, you've got to go back and look at the tape to grade, but he's getting plenty of pressures, which has always been the story of of his career, you know, and then just need to, need to get home and get those sacks. So, but yeah, it didn't feel like Trevor Lawrence was under, two, I guess the Ravens had four sacks, um, but it also felt like he had time. Maybe it's just that last drive that's like seared into my memory of how he looked and you know, I love that Lamar, Lamar always gives credit where credit's due. Lamar gave Trevor Lawrence a shout out because he really did look good yeah. running that two minute offense um, against this defense. He knew where to go. He was decisive. He had a beautiful ball. He was hitting his receivers. And so uh, I appreciate Lamar always gives credit where credit's due. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked very good today, especially yeah, in that uh, last drive. A lot of credit has to be, we're going to talk a lot about what, you know, our listeners and our subscribers want to hear. And that's some of the deficiencies about this Ravens team. But you do have to give credit where credit is due. They executed flawlessly in the end and they were aggressive and they ultimately closed out this game. You know, and he, and he showed you why he is that former number one overall pick from from a season ago. One thing about Adafi Owe that I was thinking about after just, I don't know, I, we did a whole, like you said, we talked about it on the vault this week. <clears throat> And I don't know if this is going to happen this year, Sarah. Like, he may need an offseason in order to to enhance this. But I, I need some more variety when it comes to his technique and stuff. Like, his speed's only going to get you so far. And his speed, he relied on that at Penn State. But that's the college level, you know. And that's that's not nothing against the, you know, Big Ten football. That's big time. But you're in the NFL now. And it just doesn't seem like his, his he has enough depth when it comes to his moves and, and we're seeing some comments here, you know, Kevin, he has been a little bit of a ghost from a sack production standpoint. And so uh, I thought Phil made a good point as well. While we stick with the defense, uh, they miss Kyle Hamilton, right? He, they want to be careful with him coming off that knee injury last week uh, against Carolina. You saw him on the sideline today, which was encouraging, right? He was in street clothes, but he was, he was standing. He wasn't no crutches, no brace to, to speak of or anything like that. Unless, unless it was underneath his, his sweatpants, but yeah, you're seeing that the the rookie there is a void all of a sudden, right? It, he was the issue early on in the year, but he has become a mainstay in, on the back end of that defense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and the way you just talked about with Kyle Hamilton clicking in midseason, I'd prefer Oway to click <laughs> midseason and not take a minute to get there. So, um, yeah, I think Hamilton was missed. And at the same time, uh, it was it was Peters who was targeted. I mean, Stevens was too. Stevens was too. Uh, <clears throat> and so Stevens probably isn't in there if it's Hamilton, uh, Marlin, and Peters. And at the same time, it was Peters who was still getting picked on. So I don't know uh, if that would have changed the ending or not. I definitely think it would have helped, though, because Stevens was getting picked on too. Hey, real quick on the um, – what was your thought? I know we've talked about players and coaches, so maybe it's okay to talk about the refs, who I thought in large part were fine today. There was nothing too, too bad. But what about that final touchdown? I'm still of the belief the Jags would have scored if if this touchdown got, got um, reversed. But that touchdown, he clearly got one foot in uh, and then falls out of bounds uh, I guess they're counting his high ankle inbounds as being two feet. Uh, ugh, I don't know, man. This stuff, sometimes it gets harder and harder in judging what a what a catch is. But again, I'm not saying this game is on the refs. It absolutely is not. Uh, but, but that to me, as soon as I saw the re- replay, I was like, oh, they're going to reverse that. But I guess the, the, the call is that the high ankle is two feet. Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> That was my understanding of it. Of course, we're talking about the Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, It was a heck of a catch and a heck of a throw. I mean, that thing was on a rope, and that was the only place that Trevor could put it there, and he he did. And uh, to me, Sarah, I'm not even going to, like, try to understand the the complexity of why it was a touchdown, but all I know is the ruling on the field matters so much. And the fact that it was called a touchdown, the whole inconclusive thing comes into play. And I just knew right then and there, there's no way this thing's getting reversed because of how close it is. And and, and ultimately, there's one thing consistent right about the league when it comes to officiating is that the ruling on the field almost always takes the cake overwhelmingly. And so unfortunately for the Ravens, fortunately for Jacksonville, the, you know, the, the ruling on the field was a touchdown. All right, what do we got? Do we got any Q&As here? I mean, this is just brutal because I think we've pointed the finger at just about everybody now. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, let's let's open up the Q&A portion uh, of, of today. And I think, you know, first and foremost, I'll open it up with, with my own question. And that is, you know, where is this team in the division? You know, now all yeah. of a sudden that one game cushion is no longer. They're tied at the top with the Cincinnati Bengals. Since he got a tough win today, you tweeted about that matter of fact earlier on, and uh, I think you were you were correct in saying that. Let me pull it up. Yeah, since he had the tougher matchup today, uh, of course on paper, nothing really matters on the, any given Sunday season that it's been in the NFL. But uh, since he got a tough tough win today uh, against the Tennessee Titans, and now again, the, the these two teams are tied atop the AFC North, and it's anyone's ball game. By the way, Cleveland in overtime, beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and now Deshaun Watson is eligible to return. So this division is wide open. I still feel like it's a two-team race, but you better believe that Cleveland and Pittsburgh are going to be ready to play spoilers in a month from now, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't you can't take anything for granted. You can't take anything for granted. So um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not one that tends to uh, panic. Um, you know, I, maybe it's, you know, I'm generally like a can do kind of personality, you know? So like it, you know, I don't think that this Ravens team is done. I mean, there's just some, some hilarious overreactions. I definitely saw one where in response to this tweet that you have up right now, people being like, just let it go. Just lose the rest of the games. We're, we're terrible. We're not going to beat anybody. This is just a, you know, terrible roster. And I'm like, nah, nah, they're still tied for the top of the division. And there's uh, plenty of games, plenty of football still to be played. That's a loser mentality. Definitely a loser mentality. 
why you would just give up makes no sense to me. There's lots of, um, you know, people calling, you know, cut Peters. What are you going to do by cutting Peters? Who's going to step up instead? Um, didn't the Ravens just put Jalen Armour Davis on injured reserve? Are you are you campaigning that that Pepe Williams becomes the new outside corner with with Marlon Humphrey again overreaction? Um, you know, nonstop calls to fire um, John Harbaugh and Greg Roman. That nothing is new. Anytime there's there's a loss, even when there's wins, there's calls to to fire Greg Roman. Which you know, with how lethargic the way the the offense has been playing, it wouldn't shock me if if John Harbaugh did an in season change like he did right before the Super Bowl run. Am I calling for it? I'm not calling for it. It wouldn't shock me either though. But again, I I, I don't. I don't do those overreactions. I think that this Ravens team is still playing below their potential. I know some people just think this is who they are. This is it's they're an average team. I don't think so. I think the way this offense moves the ball in between the twenties shows you how dangerous the offense can be. I think that, um, you know, having, you know, being in the red zone five times, that's not a let's give up and let the Bengals win the rest of the season scenario. That's a scenario of let's get our act together in the red zone. We can do this. We are better than this. I, Demarcus Robinson doesn't need to dive when you're in the end zone when the ball is coming for you. Mark Andrews, catch the ball. It's in your hands. This isn't, this isn't a give up situation. This is let's fix the red zone and we are going to be lights out. That's it. That's it. And that's what it was last week too. It was the red zone. Before that, the the previous two games, they scored 27 points each time. You score between 27 and 32, you're in a good offensive place. Fix the red zone and I think they can do that. So, they do that, they're going to win the AFC North and put themselves in good position in the playoffs. Gosh, it was just it was not clean. It wasn't clean. That's what I keep coming back to. Like, this is not Ravens football. It has been this year for the majority yeah. of it. I guess, the, you know, one thing to hang your hat on is the fact that, and granted, Gus Bus did return today and was a little rusty, a little lackadaisical, a little careless with a very uncharacteristic fumble. Um, you know, Sarah, they're still, they're still missing some dogs that are hoping to come back at some point within the next month or so. You mentioned a guy who's probably maybe a couple weeks away now, and that's Marcus Williams, who should stabilize and bring that takeaway uh, mentality to the to the back end of this Ravens secondary. He was on an absolute tear before he dislocated his wrist. We're probably going to want to temper expectations a little bit just based on the ramp-up period that he'll have to undergo. They're going to be careful with Ronnie Stanley with his ankle, but he did walk away from that Carolina game without a disastrous situation, being that that ankle essentially took him away for two whole years uh, from the NFL. And then um, who, who am I missing? I'm missing one other big name, right? Are you talking just, I mean, Ronnie Stanley? <laughs> Well, I said Ronnie, and then, uh, gosh, who am I? J.K. Am I Dobbins. Did you say J.K.? Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. J.K. Yeah, Dobbins yeah. is expected to come back within the next month or so. But, you know, what do we have to believe that I guess this becomes the question. By the way, we're in the Q&A portion of the stream uh, for the final stretch here. So get, get your questions in if you haven't already. Uh, maybe I skipped over it, too. There's been a lot tonight. Um, what do we have to believe? that this missing personnel that we just mentioned, Dobbins, Stanley, and Williams, Marcus, uh, will change some of these issues that really have nothing to do with them, right? Like clock management and getting play calls in and overall polish on offense, I'm not sure that has a whole lot to do with Ronnie Stanley's absence. And I thought Patrick McCarry, all things considered, got to go watch, got to go look at the tape and, and follow Cole Jackson for, for whatever he thinks in the next 24 hours. But, you know, he did okay. He got bull rushed a couple times, got that one holding call on him that hurt them in that situation. But, you know, pretty good football. Like I said, I'm, do you know what I'm getting at, though? Like, are these things going to yeah. change all of a sudden as soon as these guys get back? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's there's part missing personnel. And do I think it'll make a difference? Yes especially on defense. You get Marcus Marcus Williams back in there and you get Kyle Hamilton in there and you have a much more formidable 
secondary. So do I think that makes a difference? Yeah, of course it does. On offense, yes, I still feel like ever since Stanley came back, Lamar is more comfortable, so maybe he doesn't overthrow as much, right? Um, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in the backfield, does that make a difference? Yes, it does. Now, does it make a difference in game management? No, the coaches have to clean that up and they just have to do it. Does it make a difference in how lethargic the offense has looked? No, it doesn't. And so that is that is the that's what they just have to dig deep and get themselves. They have to dig deep and muster up way more energy than they've been showing, especially on offense. Like it just it, it felt like in the second half they came out with more urgency. Now, again, they ended up having to, to hit field goals in the, in the red zone. But to me, the offense did look different in that second half or when, when uh, the game was on the line and Lamar was fighting for those extra yards or Mark Andrews is fighting for that two, two point conversion, like bring that energy earlier in the game, bring that energy earlier in the game. That's, that's all you can do. So yeah, it's both, Bobby. It's both. Will those personnel get back to, as, as long as they get them back? Will that make a difference? Absolutely. But either way, you got to bring more energy. Yeah. All right. Q and A portion is underway. Ramsey, and this is one of the guys, one of the, one of the players that I just mentioned. Or I didn't mention, but I was thinking about him and couldn't get it out. Uh, Ajabo. This guy hasn't even played one NFL snap, according to, to well, he yeah, he has not played one NFL snap. I'm reading the comment here from Ramsey, and people are looking to him like he is Lawrence Taylor or something. Yeah, I mean, obviously we need to temper expectations for one, a rookie, and two, a guy who's coming back from uh, tearing his Achilles just back in March. But he is someone that uh, you know they're going to be really careful with. They've shown that. We're now, what, 11 games into the season, 12 weeks into the season, and there's no sign of, of David Ajabo, and he is eligible to be out there. So uh, I don't know, Sarah. I'm sure we'll see him eventually, but – to think that to rely on him would be naive. Oh, for sure. And again, I don't know that the pass rush has been terrible. I mean, four sacks today. They had quite a few sacks the other day. They're creating turnovers. But more than anything, I'm curious what he can bring to the table. And I would like to get him some experience. I, I would prefer that he doesn't get his first snap week one, 2023. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, I, I don't see him as a savior, but I'm certainly curious. The question just is, you know, who's 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 going to be deactivated in favor of him? They have so many, they have so many pass rushers at this point between Tyus Bowser, uh, Odafe Owe, uh, Justin Houston. You you tell me which guy you want to take off. JPP. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's somebody from a different position that you take off. Uh, we'll see, but I'm certainly curious, just like I'm curious with Kohler. I thought it was telling that likely went down and Kohler still didn't have his debut. Um, but more than anything, I'm curious, but I felt like um, Odafe definitely needs to step up, but I didn't, uh, I didn't see the outside linebackers as like the problem in this game. And so yeah. if the Ravens want to keep going with that formula, I get it, especially knowing Ojabo both coming off an Achilles and coming into the NFL, you want to make sure that you put him in, in a situation that he will absolutely succeed. Karan checking in on Facebook. What do you think is going on in Lamar's head? Uh, that's the million dollar question in so many different aspects, but I think that he's, he's shown and he showed some restraint by the way, with that, with that delay of game penalty in the first half. You almost no punching this like time. He was ready to spike the football, which he, when he doesn't punt the football, when he's upset, he spikes the football and always risks a potential unsportsmanlike or delay of game penalty on top of what was already a delay of game with the clock management or lack thereof. But uh, he, he's shown that, that he is frustrated with this offense, and he should be because they have fallen short in a number of different categories, and we've already discussed what those specific categories are. So, you know, when, when those change, when they stack a, a four-quarter performance from a polished standpoint, from a balance standpoint, from an inaccuracy in the deep ball game standpoint, I don't know, Sarah, but when they do, I know they're going to have a damn good chance 
of consistently winning football games because this defense, uh, aside from, you know, another fourth quarter collapse, had put this team in a position to, to win a football game today. And, uh, you know, the offense came came up short early and the defense, unfortunately, you know, came up short late. I'd like to know what Karan thinks is going through Lamar's head because I, I, I always hear a lot of people trying to speak on, be, on behalf of him. Um, I do think, <laughs> listen, sometimes it's not the easiest to come up with questions on the fly, but sometimes there's just terrible ones, Bobby. Um, I don't know who the reporter was. I didn't recognize the voice, so it makes me think it might have been a Jacksonville, Florida kind of question. But, you know, he basically asked Lamar um, – do you remember the last time you played in the stadium? And Lamar's like, yeah, they told me it was when I was in college. And he goes, and I lost then too and wasn't very happy with it. And then the guy goes, well, what are your emotions? Like, what are you feeling, you know, after that kind of, you know, knowing that you lost your twice, twice. And Lamar's like, well, how would you feel <laughs> if I lost twice? It's like, it doesn't feel good. You know, it feels bad. And so it's like, yeah. Uh, what do I think is going in Lamar's mind? I think he's not happy. I think he's frustrated with the loss. Uh, I think he wants to um, convert and score points. He has been saying that for a while now. He just wants to score points, score points, score points. Beyond that, I do not believe in trying to read Lamar Jackson's mind because people fail and have failed doing it time and time again. So I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Well, they just failed the other day based on his Instagram story saying that he had a second daughter when really it was just a, a goddaughter, yeah. one of his friends or cousins or family members. We don't even know, but he did not yeah. have a daughter and somebody just ran with it. And next thing you know, it was all over social media. Uh, Trace yeah. Bien on YouTube just chimes in with this and I kind of want to discuss it. We obviously would have discussed this already if it was a win, just because this is kind of like a happy thing to talk about. But uh, how do you all feel about the play when Huntley came in? What were you all thinking? This was essentially <laughs> just basically... A, a misdirection uh, optics kind of thing that Greg Roman employed his backup quarterback for. And, and I thought it was cool. It reminded me of the the Heisman package back from a couple of years ago when RG3 was on this roster and Mark Ingram was in the backfield as well. And of course, Lamar under center, but uh, that was cool. Huntley's first snap of, of the season went for, you know, a positive yardage there and, and a good play. I'd like to see more of uh, the vault being opened up. Remember they did that when Joe Flacco was still on the team, and I think it was um, – oh, what was his name, the Ohio State quarterback? Troy Smith. Um, and L Lamar was like <laughs> – he hated it so badly. He called – he said that they look like a JV team. Listen, I think he's, I think he's absolutely right, Traces. I think that um, it completely distracted me. Like my eyes were completely on Huntley being like, what are you going to do with him? And so I'm sure the Jaguars' defense was like, what's going on here, and had eyes on both Huntley and Lamar. Meanwhile, Lamar just does a simple handoff to, to um, Edwards, I think it was on that play. I don't know if it was Edwards or Drake, but I'm pretty sure it was Edwards. And he, he picked up, you know, a first down rather easy, you know. It was kind of like, you know, he, he just got it. Yeah. So I thought that was fun, and I think that that's something that Roman kind of shows – and it's more used as a decoy for now. And maybe he does it once or twice more every time not going to Huntley. And then after he kind of like shows it on tape a couple of times, he then sends, shows a wrinkle and actually uses Huntley in some sort of way. So um, the comment before that uh, was saying the Ravens have looked average all season. I agree with that. I think that we've been saying that the Ravens haven't played better than a B minus game all season. And it again needs to come back to the offense and defense playing good at the same time, at the same time. We've been saying that for a couple of weeks now and it just demonstrated again. As soon as the offense wakes up, the defense collapses. I think they're better than average. I think they have more potential than average. But I agree, they've been playing average C plus B minus football for most of the year, um, and then today it was even even below average. I would agree, and I guess there's slightly room for encouragement when it comes to that thought because there are seven to four. They are tied with Cincy in this division. And so if we haven't even seen anywhere close to what they're capable of being, then I guess that's something you can hold on to down the stretch here. But again, there's a lot that needs to happen in order for them to, you know, uh, not be shells of what they can be. 
live out your dreams on YouTube tweeted, uh, not, uh, not tweeted, but uh, submitted this who got rid of Hollywood. Hey, let's turn back. Let's kind of, let's kind of turn back the clock here. Marquise requested a trade. He, he approached Eric DaCosta, if I remember this correctly, and, and asked to, to leave Baltimore, essentially. He felt like he wasn't being utilized properly here. He didn't like the way that the, um, the, the wide receiver philosophy had him not as the primary guy, and he, he left for Arizona. And then I saw a little while earlier, too, people wondering if, if Hollywood's done for the year in Arizona. He was actually just, just designated to return for the Cardinals, so they will see him down the stretch, but... Uh, Partner, let's not forget that this was not a – yes, it was an organizational decision to honor his request, but he initiated this as, as, from what we've been told. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have I have talked a few times about how I think the Ravens are playing beneath their potential in terms of roster talent, but there's no denying that the weakness, the number one weakness on this team is wide receiver weapons. And, you know, today the Ravens had to rely on a, I feel like I keep using different numbers for his age on Deshaun Jackson. Is he 34, 35, 36? I don't know how old he is. Uh, I I'll have to he look is, that. Um, he's 35. Okay, he's 35. But it took having to rely on a 35-year-old who clearly had his, his hamstrings warmed up today. There was no problem with the hamstrings today, so that was good. Um. But yeah, that's what you had to rely on. And, you know, you're happy that he was able to make that play. And at the same time, Hollywood's gone. And we all said it. I, I know I said it, and I know a lot of fans said it in the in the preseason that it's like, listen, if Rashad Bateman goes down, <laughs> what's going on at wide receiver, you know? And, you know, we're seeing that today. You get, you know, Robinson had a good game last week okay game today but mess I mean he should have had that touchdown catch in the in the back of the end zone that was not good on him um and and you know they've got the tight end weapons they've got the running back weapons especially once JK comes back you've got the weapon himself at quarterback with Lamar Jackson but it's like could the Ravens use Hollywood Brown right now yeah they could use him right now big time but you know they got Linderbaum out of that and, you know, Linderbaum needs to snap the ball faster, but has been very good in protecting and in uh, run blocking. So that's been good. Uh, but, but man, the, it is by far the weakness. It's by far the weakness. And may I just say, Bobby, may I just say that according to Josina Anderson over the weekend, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> has three visits set up none of which is with the Ravens, but he's had conversation with the Ravens, conversations with the Ravens. And um, I can't remember the other team that was just a conversation, but not a visit. It might've been Kansas city. So um, uh, I sure would hope that the Ravens would try to do something big here and, and put on a sales, a sales hat. Well, don't you Bobby, don't you, you we're sitting here talking about Hollywood Brown and what could have been, don't you want the Ravens to do something there? I don't know what they'd be getting. I'm, I'm talking serious now. We often joke about this. Okay. Uh, I don't know what they'd be getting in Odell Beckham Jr., not just because of the ACL tear in February, but today there was a report that he refused to leave a flight out of L.A., I believe out of Miami, because he was um, uh, unconscious. Like there was some sort of medical issue. I have no idea. I don't want to speculate what led to this. But he had a little bit of an, uh, a medical issue today on a plane. I saw this today during the game. Yeah, it came out. That. And uh, then he he tweeted out something about it as well, that it was like the first time for everything. It was an insane day for him or whatever. So I don't know what they're getting in him. And that medical situation aside, uh, yeah, obviously he's one of the most talented to ever play at the wide receiver position. But uh, I've been on record since, since day one that I, I just don't think that he is – personality wise a fit for Baltimore and I, I think he ends up in a place like Dallas you know that's more of a and this is we, we both know it's a tight end centric group do they have the money for them um, I, I don't know a lot of those questions uh, to me 
remain as uh, kind of like tall tasks for this to happen. And but I'm with you. I'm with you. The fact if if he were to be thrown into the fire here and be given a chance to to do essentially what J Deshaun Jackson's trying to do, and that's revitalize this passing attack in the Lamar era, then uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how could you say no to yeah. it? But I just don't think oh, it's gonna, I don't think it's realistic. Yeah, I mean, OBJ. I mean, the fact that he's visiting others and isn't visiting the Ravens is you know not the best sign. Uh, I would just say in terms of personality, I mean, we're talking about a December signing. Okay. This, I'm not asking, I'm not saying sign him up for five years. You know what I mean? This is a December signing money. It's a December signing. You know, this yeah. isn't even, you don't even have to find the money for a full year. So to me, the personality and the money, it's like, this, the, the, that's, that's, those are, com those are, arguments that can easily be brushed aside because it's a December signing. Now where you are probably right is he's most likely going to be signing elsewhere. But to me, it's the weakness of the Ravens team right now. And they just had to watch their 35 year old receiver, you know, re-energize the offense. And to me, there is literally no reason not to put on your best sales pitch to him. I can agree with that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I guess I'm just going to, I just more so have, we, we've been having fun for those of you who've been listening for a while now that, uh, you know, I just, well, I think you agree with me too, that, that he's not coming here. You just want him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, I want, okay. I want Eric DaCosta to put on his best pitch. And then if he ends up choosing yeah. another team, so be it. But why isn't he coming to visit the Ravens? I mean, he should be here. He should be here. Check out his health. Check out whatever medicals, whatever. And then if he ends up choosing somebody else, choose somebody else. But how can you watch this offense for two weeks play so lethargically knowing? It's like you said, they'll definitely get JK back in there and get Ronnie back. But you're knowing that your weakness is at wide receiver. And it's not like you're asking to put like invest the future. This is just a right now move. So, you know. We could go back and forth, but yes, we let's just end on we agree that he probably won't come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bottom line is this team is lacking something that we've known since day one of the 2022 season and essentially since day one of the Lamar Jackson era when it began in 2018. They are lacking a true bona fide number one wide receiver. They have a number one target, and that's Mark Andrews, who's certainly not been himself in recent weeks, whether that's related to his physical status or not. He has not been himself, and he has not been the guy for Lamar over the course of, of several weeks now. Uh, but it goes back to what I said a second ago. They are trying to win without what the rest of the NFL is essentially doing from a blueprint standpoint all the dynamic quarterbacks in the league have a true number one guy. And we saw that, that uh, frenzy this offseason, right, with Tyreek and Devontae and so many other guys that went to help out Tua. And, uh, well, it's not really working in Vegas, but hopefully it will for their sake over the course of time because Devontae is, is that good of a player. Uh, but the Ravens are trying to reinvent the wheel, and whether or not that will work remains to be seen. But I know we have our doubts. And like today, those doubts are magnified today, right? You don't sure. want to be prisoner of the moment because this team has absolutely uh, proven that it can win games. It can grind out games. It can win those three Ts, right, the turnover battle, the um, – uh, the you know the, the the third down efficiency and the time of possession, but uh, those categories weren't good enough today, and that was part of the reason for uh, you know the collapse in the end and the ultimate result. Yeah, and I mean at this point, um, the Ravens are just going to have to move on. They got to they got to fix the red zone, and they got to move on. They got to get healthy guys back. They got to move on. They got the Broncos coming to MT Bank Stadium next Sunday, one p.m. game. Broncos not looking much better. Um, in fact, not looking, you know, just just not looking good at all. So listen, you just got to like regroup and uh, realize, you know, just remember that, again, the Jaguars are better than their record for sure. They almost beat the Chiefs the week before. I think they're better than the way they look. And you go and you look at the lessons, um, get guys healthy get better Peters, get Hamilton back, get Williams back. Let's, and let's just move forward and fix that red zone. I mean, to me, it, the Ravens aren't that far off from being much, much better. I think that they can go, go the distance here. They just have to 
do it. Just do it. All right. We hit our hour mark here on uh, the Ravens Vault podcast post game live stream. We simulcast uh, on all of our platforms. It's been a great show. We've had a lot of interest. Uh, again, if you have not subscribed to our channel, if you're tuning in through YouTube or if you're on Facebook as well, please, it allows us to uh, continue bringing you content on all things Baltimore Ravens on a daily basis. It is free. And, uh, and it allows us to continue doing that. So please consider doing that if you've been enjoying our content. But uh, yeah, partner, we got a, a busy week coming up. And then December football begins next week, like you said, at home inside the bank against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, who I believe lost today to the Panthers. They did 23-10 to in a game that Sam Darnold started under center for Carolina. The AFC North looks like this. And again, we're this is on Sunday. The, the, the Steelers have not played yet. They're on Monday Night Football this week. Ravens are seven and four. Cincy is seven and four. <laughs> Browns are four and seven with a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime. And then, like I said, the Steelers are in action on Monday night against the Colts. And the Ravens haven't even played Pittsburgh yet. So there's a lot left to be said about this season. So partner, good stuff. We will talk to you this week. And uh, as always, thanks for being with us. Hit us up via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com with uh, your feedback, questions for the week that you want answered, and anything else. And as always, thanks for being with us inside the vault. Talk to you guys soon.